Bienvenidos en su iglesia to my Hispanic friends who are here this morning. Do I have any? Yes, all right, good. To rescue, good morning everybody. Good to see you this weekend. I have, a, I have some exciting news to uh, share with you. Um, we're taking this whole discipleship initiative very seriously. We want, to, we want to press this home. We want this to become a reality in our lives. We want to be these active followers of Jesus who are submitting our lives daily to Christ. We want to be letting Jesus change us in our lives, and we want to get us all into groups and, or into, into uh, uh, groups attached to our, our larger Sunday school classes so we can live our faith out. So this past Friday, our uh, elders extended a call to a uh, full-time pastor. He will become the pastor of discipleship for all of our campuses. He'll be primarily here, and I want to introduce you to him. His name is Brian Schuenberg. all right? How many of you, how many of you know Brian, all right? This is his second coming to Wooddale, all right? Uh, Brian was the youth pastor here uh, several years ago uh, in senior high, and so we're excited to have him back, and we've been talking about this for quite some time with him, and he'll start somewhere around uh, right after Easter. We'll give you more information about Brian later on and his family, his wife Cindy and their kids, but I just want you to know we're very serious about this. You know that song that uh, the, the team just sang, I'm not an orphan anymore. Reminds me of a story told by Lee Strobel, who's a pastor and author. It happened right after the Korean War, as in many of the unfortunate wars that we've been a part of. When our soldiers left, they left behind relationships. And in this case, an American GI had an affair with a Korean woman, and after the war, he just left her behind, and he left her pregnant. And she gave birth to a little girl and right away, she had to deal with, in, especially in that time, the rejection and the ostracization that took place because she had a child that was not like the other children. The child was born with light-colored hair, and sometimes, in some cases, when it was real extreme uh, rejection, mothers would actually kill their children. It's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? Um, but she kept her little daughter, and for the first seven years of her daughter's life, she tried to, you know, be a good mom, but after a while, she became depressed and overwhelmed with the rejection, uh, overwhelmed with the persecution that came with having this child. And she did the thing that a mother cannot imagine. She abandoned her daughter to the streets. And for the next little while, that little girl somehow managed to survive on the streets. And uh, she was made fun of. She was called in the Korean language a tuki, which means an alien devil. And she came really to believe that about herself. Uh, somehow, miraculously, she managed to get into an orphanage. One day, word came that some Americans, uh, husband and wife, were going to come adopt a little baby boy, a little Korean boy. And so uh, she joined the <clears throat> orphanage staff and, you know, washed the boys, the baby boys, and combed their hair and got them ready for shows, so to speak, wondering which one would be adopted, which one would be taken. And the day finally came. Lee Strobel shares what this girl wrote years later, and I want to read to you what she said. She said, it was like Goliath had come back to life. I saw this man with his huge hands lift up each and every baby. I knew he loved every one of them as if they were his own. I saw tears running down his face, 
And I knew if they could, they would have taken the whole lot of them home. He saw me out of the corner of his eye. Now let me tell you, I was nine years old. I didn't even weigh 30 pounds. I was a scrawny thing. I had worms in my body. I had lice in my hair. I had boils all over my body. I was full of scars. I was not a pretty sight. But the man came over to me. He began rattling away something in English. And I looked up at him. Then he took his huge hand and laid it on my face. What was he saying? I want this child. This is the child for me. Can you imagine how that little girl must have felt when it was translated to her in English? She felt the hand of that, what seemed like Goliath, a man on her face. She learned that she was wanted. That this man believed that she belonged to him. I want you to think about that for a moment because everybody here was at one time a spiritual orphan, separated from God by sin, shame, and guilt, deserving of judgment, not deserving of grace, not deserving of his love and, and kindness. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ. I read in Hebrews today, it says <clears throat> that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels, that he might taste death for you and for me. He dies our death. He takes our shame and our guilt. He pays the price so we can have a relationship with him. And if you're here right now and you're, you're still a spiritual orphan, you haven't made that decision to receive God's gift, anytime, anytime, talk to one of us here at the front or email us or call us. We'd love to have a conversation with you in your journey to discover God's love for you. But what I want to talk about for just a moment is um, what it means to be adopted. I have to tell you, as I was, I was reading this story, this little girl to you, uh, and this didn't happen in the other services, there flashed a picture into my mind of something that I experienced several years ago, probably about seven or eight years ago now. And um, I was on a flight back from Asia where I had been teaching and training pastors. And it was a long flight. It was going to be from Hong Kong to Chicago. That's where we were pastoring at the time. And, you know, I'm in the back of the bus, so to speak, with, you know, the tight seats and all that going on. It's a long, long flight back. And there are probably five or six families that have these little uh, uh, Chinese babies with them that they've adopted out of China. I guess they did it as a group somehow. And they're all special needs children. They're all, they're all really little, like toddlers down to infants. And those kids, you know, imagine, ripped out of your culture, you're going home with these people. I mean, even as, a, even as a small child, that's traumatic. And so the kids were squirming, they were making noises, and I got so angry, not at the kids, but at the number of passengers who turned around and gave them dirty looks, who felt irritated by those kids. And I knew, I mean, I could figure out, I heard the conversations, I knew what was going on and I thought, you know, cry all you want. Scream if you want. This is beautiful. These kids that nobody wants being wanted. I don't know, I just had to share a story. They just came right in, it came flooding into my mind, that scene. And God, you know, God has adopted you and me. 
And Ephesians describes this adoption. I want you to learn about your adoption right now. Ephesians chapter one, verse four. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be, his whole, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So before God put a star in the sky, he wanted you. In essence, he put his hand out and said, I want you. You matter to me. You belong to me. Now, how, is it that, how is it that we can be holy without fault? Because he, he sees us in his son's eyes. He sees what his son does for us. He accounts his son's holiness and righteousness to us. We know we're not holy and righteous. Verse five, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, all right? That's what he wanted. He didn't have to do it. That's what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Remember that. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Now, let's go back to verse five. It says, for God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. I want you to look at the word advance and the word adopt for a moment. Bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. What's the word advance mean? Well, in the Greek, the word means to circle before. It's a word that means to circle before. And of course, the Bible is written in the New Testament in Greek and translated over to English. What does it mean to be circled before? Let's go to our, our drawing board here for just a moment. Maybe you've had an experience where you pull the newspaper out, you're looking for a job, you're looking for a motorcycle, a car, maybe, you know, a snowmobile this time of year, right? And uh, you've got your paper out, right? It's got all the different ads, and it's got pictures and prices and dates and location, etc. And you're reading through this, and you go, oh, this one kind of interests me, and you circle it, not interested, not interested. Oh, man, that one looks like it could be a good deal, not interested, not interested. Oh, how about this one, right? So you circle those, and then you decided which one you would call first. And so you went through the whole thing, and then eventually you decided, this is the one. I'm going to, I'm going to go buy that one. So before you ever bought that, you had already circled it, right? In a sense, you'd already chosen it. That's what that word means. God already chose you. Now, that always raises the question. Just like I didn't choose other ads, does that mean that God chooses some and God doesn't choose others? You can, you can isolate certain passages in the Bible and, and, and come up with that idea, but if you look at the context of the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, it's pretty hard to come up with the idea that God chooses some and God purposely says, I want you, I don't want you. Because in the Bible, it says, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him. It says in Peter, he's one that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. Romans 10, Paul says, how will they hear unless somebody goes to them? Blessed are the, are the feet of those who bring the gospel, the good news. So in, in that sense, I believe God wants everybody to come to faith in him. But since God is infinite, he knows those who will respond to the message of grace versus those who will not. And so in that sense, we have been chosen beforehand, before the world was created, knowing everything that God does about us, how we would fail him in the garden, he still chose us for redemption. And that takes us to the word adoption. There are two Greek words for adoption. Uh, one, of the, one of the words is techna. I'm, I'm just giving you all this Greek because every once in a while I get insecure. I want you to know I did go to graduate school. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, one is techna, and techna means a little child, okay? The word that's used there in Ephesians is huiothesius. And, and huio, the, the principal word there, actually is a child that's grown up, like a grown up child, an adult, Okay? 
Why that's so important is because in the Roman culture, oftentimes a family, a parent would wait, or a potential parent would wait to adopt until they saw the child grow up. So they keep their eye on a couple of kids. They'd watch how they grew up, how responsible they were, how, what their character was like, and then they would adopt them because they had the assurance this kid's going to be okay. Well, that, that's used there simply because Paul wants us to know that before we were even born, God knowing what we would become like, God knowing that we would deny him, remember Peter, God knowing we'd betray him, remember Judas, God knowing we would, we would uh, do bad things, say bad things, believe and act in bad ways, God still chose us to redeem us give us the opportunity to come into his family. And that's what we mean by the grace of God. Nothing to do with how good we are. Nothing to do with our, our own attempts to have great character. Nothing to do with, you know, what color our skin is, what our socioeconomic background is. Nothing to do with our religion brand, right? It has nothing to do with that. There's not a person in this room, and you gotta come to the next series called At the Cross in a couple weekends. We're gonna look at how, how the cross changes our life. What does the cross mean? How does it change our lives? Disciples are all about the cross, so you don't wanna miss that. But this is about God's grace. None of us earn it, none of us deserve it. God says, I want you, you're mine. I choose you. Now, how does God feel about that when he chooses us? Anybody who's raised kids knows that there are times, especially as your kids get older, right? that they uh, sometimes misbehave, they do what is wrong. And sometimes it gets fairly serious. And if you've ever had to go get your son or your daughter, if you ever had to bail them out, all right, especially if it's not the first time, you know the angst, you know the frustration you feel as a parent, you know the anger that you have. Here we go again. I can't believe you haven't learned your lesson by now. I ought to just leave you there. And we kind of, you know, let it loose. I mean, God would have every right to do that if he wanted to. I mean, God knows our hearts desperately wicked. Our hearts are desperately wicked. I mean, God could grudgingly save us, but he doesn't. What's his attitude like? Well, remember I said, remember, good pleasure. He did this out of his good pleasure. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The cross is filled with pain and suffering and misery. And he endured that for the joy set before him. Well, what joy set before him? Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What, what joy before him? You, you, me, we're the trophy were the trophy that was worth the pain and the suffering. So I imagine with this many people here, there are some of you who've had a week or had a month or had a year or perhaps a lifetime of feeling like, like, you're, like nobody loves you, like nobody cares about you, that you have no value or worth. You've been told that. You've been called a tookie, an alien devil. You've been made to feel that way. You've been abused. You've been, you know, you've been rejected. I want you to know God does not feel that way about you. Maybe at the hands of some some. Christians that are living, you know, a, a, in, in a bad attitude, a bad habit. You know, they're spiritual children. They haven't grown up. Remember the, the chart I had last year? Maybe they've even made you feel that way. I want you to know God doesn't feel that way about you. God loves you. You matter to him. 
and he lovingly brought you into his family. I mean, that's what discipleship is all about. If you go back over to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, when Jesus commissioned his disciples, he said, therefore, go make disciples. Go make disciples. And he wasn't just talking to Peter and James and John, he's talking to us. Because he says, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That, you know, we start out spiritually dead, we come alive, we accept Christ, we get baptized, right? As a symbol of that, we don't have to be, but it's important to be. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, the age hasn't ended, so that means Christ is still calling disciples, come follow me, actively follow me, let me change your life, and go on mission with me. And that's what we're talking about right now is the mission part. What is the mission? Go tell the people that I want them in my family. That I, I, I've chosen them. That, that there's a way back to Eden again. There's a way back into the garden. There's a way back into fellowship. I have made it possible for them to be adopted with me, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in our family. That's our whole reason for existing, folks. Otherwise, there's no reason why God would leave us here but to be on mission with him. And yet, so oftentimes, we lose track of that mission. We get focused on ourselves and our own mission that matters to nothing in God's sight. And while we're here, you know, we gotta keep each other accountable. While we're here, we need to grow in our journey with God. So that's a very important part of, of what we do while we're here. But the reason we've been left here is to change the world around us, which brings us to another Greek word, all right? So we're really into the Greek, and it's a word I, I've taught on before, but we're, we're pull, pulling it back out again, all right? For some of you, it'll be new. Some of you will remember this. Some of you are still practicing it, but we're going to put this huge Bunsen burner under it and going to turn the flame way up. And it's going to become part of our discipleship lifestyle. It's one of the things that Pastor Schoenberg is going to help keep a flame under, and it's called oikos. So I want you to write that Greek word down, okay? O-I-K, whoops, O-S, okay? O-I-K-O-S, and it's not a yogurt, all right? It's a, it's a Greek term, oikos, and it means household. Now, in the Old Testament, New Testament, household is more than just your blood relatives, okay? Like for Abraham, his household were all the servants that he had. In the New Testament, your household was people that you knew, that you saw on a regular basis. So right now, I want you to redefine household, biblically speaking. In order to do that, I, I want you to draw with Dale. So just draw a picture of yourself. Been alternating. This time, I'm going to draw, draw a female, all right? And, uh, and, you know, hopefully you, you feel happy today, so put a smile. I know the Vikings lost last weekend. I just need to say it, a little therapy, a little pastoral counseling, all right? How many of you were saddened by that? Let me see your hands. Yes, of course, all right? But the good news is there's next year, right? Right? That's good news, right, Heather? Yeah. Yes, all right, okay, all right. All right, so that was free therapy. Let's move on, okay? So then make seven little dashes out here, right? And then draw, draw your own little people there, okay? Uh, now, if you're drawing with me right now, let me just hear you say like, amen. amen. If you're not drawing with me right now, let me hear you say, boo. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're afraid to say it, aren't you? 
Some of you aren't. That hurts me deeply, but I'll get over it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, okay? So these represent the people that are in your life that, that may not be believers. So it could be a family member. It could be a neighbor. It could be a, a, a co-worker. It could be the person that you see at the coffee shop. It could be the person you see at the, at the grocery store where you frequent and buy your groceries. You see them at the, cash, you know, the cashier or uh, the person stocking the shelves. Uh, it could be somebody you see at school that you go to school with, right? Or that's on the same team or in the band with you. Uh, or it, it could be uh, somebody that you see at the gym when you go and do your workout or any number of places, right? You don't have to know their names, and so, like on my adopt seven list, there's some people, I don't know their names, but they're the person I see at that place. That's how I think about them. Now, here's what I want you to do. In the worship folder, you were uh, given a little card that looks like this. It says adopt seven. Would you pull it out, please? I want you to pull that out with me. And it lays out the strategy <clears throat> very, very clearly for you. And I want to talk about this for just a moment because there's three things I want you to do for these people that you have placed on, on your list or that hopefully you will place on your list. First, I want you to pray for them every day. That's not hard to do. If you know the name, you pray for Bob, you pray for Sally, or you pray for the person at the coffee shop or the person at work or the person that I see every day in the hallway at school. You pray that they would become aware of God if they don't know God already. You pray that that uh, things would begin to happen in their life that would point them towards God. And you pray that God would bring somebody into their life and you ask him if it could be you to show them his love. Pray. Second thing, serve. Now, the greatest way to serve others is through kindness. Let's say that word together, kindness, all right? You love it when somebody's kind to you. As Christians, we're supposed to be kind to others. So your kindness can start with just your demeanor, a smile, a handshake, an opened door, a thank you, a please, a nice tip, a question, how can I pray for you today? Some act of service that you're able to do for your neighbor, your friend. And by the way, you know, some of the people on your list, um, they, may, they may be your enemies, but we're relieved of that because Jesus tells us we don't have to love our enemies, Right? Thou shalt not love thine enemy. No, he says, yes, we're to even love our enemies. And so some of those folks on our list that we see every day, we may not want to put on there, but God says, no, you got to love them. And they're the ones that are, they're actually the easiest ones to reach, which sounds weird. But think about it. They don't expect you to be kind to them. So when you are, that really messes them up. When you keep showing kindness to them. And then the last thing is, as God opens the door, share with them. Share with them your story of how you've come to faith in Christ. I'm not talking about assaulting them with the faith. All right, I'm talking about asking God to make a way for you to share that story. And throughout the rest of this year, and even some messages we're going to be sharing with you, having some seminars, how to share your faith without being confrontational with it, without it being uncomfortable or awkward. Our goal is that by the end of 2018, every Wooddaler, that is the person who attends Wooddale, would share their faith with one person. Each one reach one. Let's say it together. Each one reach one. That's why we've been left here. Yet most Christians will never share their faith with anybody. What's that all about? So oftentimes, especially the longer a person's been a Christian, you start to ask them, you know, who are the unbelievers in your life? They, they can't point to anybody because they insulate themselves with other Christians. That's not supposed to be how it, that's not the way it's supposed to be. 
remember years ago, Marsha and I started reaching out. We started befriending some unbelievers, and we noticed that some people in our circle of friends started not including us anymore and kind of uh, moving a, kind of a, a little bit of a distance from us because of, of who we were hanging out with, which just felt so weird to us. It was like, I mean, can't we all be friends, right? Does it have to be our little Christian clique? Where are the unbelievers? That's, I mean, can you imagine Jesus, if he were here today in In Prairie, or wherever you're watching online, can you imagine him only having a circle of Christian friends? Is that imaginable? No. He was like always looking for the non-Christians to befriend. Because that's the fish that, that he's fishing for, so to speak. And that's where we're supposed to be fishing. So for some of us, we may just have to go find where the unbelievers are, and I'm told they're in abundance in our culture today. And you once were one of them too. So go be with the fish, right? And please, our job is not, you know, this isn't about, you know, the old Baptist way, right? You know, I led five souls to Christ today, okay? And you begin to wonder how much truth there is in all of that, Right? This isn't about making converts, like, you know, getting our scalps, so to speak. This is about an authentic life where you love these people whether they ever accept or not. Because if somebody thinks you're only interested in them as a number, as, you know, somebody that you won to the Lord and you move on to the next one, that just feels like bait and switch. They just, they want to know you actually care about them. So you've got to, you've got to tell yourself, I'm committed to care for this person even if they say no to me. And I've got a situation like that in my life right now where you know, somebody I've been reaching out to and, and uh, I thought, man, we're going down the pathway towards spiritual new birth and then all of a sudden, er, stop, done. And they backed way off and it's like, okay, you know, I've got to honor that and still, and still want to be the friend and still want to treat them the right way. So we hope that you'll do that, all right? And then bring this with you. Write, it, write in their names back here. Bring it with you every weekend. Why? Because we want to lift them up before the Lord in prayer. We want to keep this in front of ourselves. So find a way to bring it. Have it tattooed on if you want. This is the service I can say that to, all right? And uh, that way you always have it with you. But you may have to erase the ones that you know, come to faith so you can add more, all right? Um, and we've got a place, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so take advantage of that. And if, you, if it gets yellowed, if it gets lost, we have more, we'd be happy to give it to you. But I want to take it a step further this weekend. I want to talk about, I want to talk about not just spiritual adoption, which is so very important, but why, why shouldn't we also talk about physical adoption? There's a huge need out there in the foster care system and adoption. And, and shouldn't Christians be the ones that are they're standing in line to meet that need because don't we offer the safest homes? I know there are Christians out there that don't have safe homes. I know it's messed up. Thank God there's a, there's a way, you know, for home studies to happen to try to keep that. But generally speaking, all right, I'm talking about generally speaking, sincere believers of Christ, don't we have something wonderful to offer these kids? It's, one of the, it's probably one of, the, one of the most needy areas and one of the greatest opportunities to pass Christ on into the life of another so I want to tell you a little bit about this, because this is our big application here. And to do this, we want to share our own story with you. And so I've asked my wife, Marsha, if she would do that. Please watch the video. The idea of adoption is very dear to me and was planted in my heart even as a young girl. It started to become a reality when Dale and I were living in Ohio. Every week on the local news, they would highlight children with special needs who were waiting to be adopted. 
Each child's story just broke my heart. I had to do something. When I brought up the possibility of adoption to Dale, he was uh, not too interested at the start. With two young children and a demanding ministry life, he felt that we already had our hands full. But I didn't know what to do with the intense burden I felt, so I prayed and asked God to either take the burden away from me or to change Dale's heart. Well, long story short, a year later we moved to Northern California and were licensed as foster care parents. We opened our hearts and home to a seven-month-old baby boy we named Timmy. He came to us from an emergency foster home and had been born drug-addicted to methamphetamines and crack cocaine. That is not an easy start to life, and it can come with varied long-term effects. Well, our whole family was thrilled when Tim's adoption was finalized two years later. I'd like to say that the rest of the story is a perfect tale, but we had some real challenges along the way. But God was so faithful and good through each bump in the road, and we learned so much about God's love and grace and the power of prayer. For so many reasons, I am thankful God brought our son Tim into our lives and we love him as our own. As followers of Christ, God's word gives us a real challenge. James 1.27 tells us that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Did you know there are approximately 100,000 orphans just in our own country? There are also 300,000 Christian churches in the United States. Just think what would happen if God's people took seriously the call to care for orphans. No child should have to wait and hope for a family to love them. In the state of Minnesota, there are approximately 489 children waiting to be adopted. You can see some of their precious faces. Each year in the U.S., about 23,000 children age out of the foster care system. That means that they turn 18 and face the world entirely alone without any family support system, without belonging to anyone. That statistic breaks my heart. Caring for vulnerable, needy children is not just about giving them love and security. It's also a most important and complete way to share the good news of hope, forgiveness, and salvation in Jesus Christ. Adoption is a beautiful picture of what God has done for us in making us part of His family. I know that not everyone will be called by God to adopt a child, but everyone can do something. There are so many ways to get involved in helping vulnerable children. That is why we hope you will check out the tables in the lobby area. 
I want to challenge you to include a needy child in your Adopt 7 list. In Mark 9.37, Jesus, He takes a little child in His arms and tells His disciples, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. I want to read that verse that Marcia read, quoted to us, James 1.27. It says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Jesus said in Matthew 25, when you do it to the least of these, it's like you've done it to me. You see, not only do we want to challenge you to adopt people spiritually, but what if you could adopt one of those seven? What if it could be a child in Haiti through compassion that's here this weekend? Or what if it could be through Hennepin County or through one of the other ministries, Safe Family and we have others who are here. What if you could come alongside and do foster care? What a huge difference that would make. It's not easy. It's hard. There's sacrifice involved. And that's, that's where all of you can get involved. Let me explain to you what I mean. When you take out this little brochure, it says, we are for vulnerable children. Would you do that, please? And what you find inside is a listing of the agencies that we have here. Um, you see there's Hennepin County, Safe Families. There's also Big Brothers, Big Sisters. There's New Life Family Services and Compassion International. Not only do we need people who would be willing to do foster care and adopt, and I realize not everybody can do that, but we also, and they also, many of these agencies need help with family uh, coaches that can come alongside these families, encourage them and help them. People who've raised a family know what it's all about to providing a place on a weekend for some respite so that you would take the kids while the family has a break on that weekend. They need furniture. They need resources. They absolutely need prayer. They need finances in some case. You know, maybe you could do a big brother or sister program. I did that when I was going to college in Minnesota. I'd go down to Lake Street and I'd pick up this little boy and hang out with him. You know, maybe you could just spend some time once or twice a month with, with a young man, a, a young lady who has, you know, who just doesn't have the right kind of parental influence and you could be that influence in their life. It's a great ministry, a great program. I want to encourage you to check it out. And I could go down the list. There's so many ways without necessarily having to foster care and adopt. There's so many ways you can be part of influencing a child's life. So please, at least stop by. Check out the virtual uh, experience that Compassion has where you can go to Haiti, put on these goggles and, uh, and a headset, and you literally 360 experience in Haiti for about five minutes, and you, you see a story of a child being lived out there as though you are there with that child. There's so much can be done here, right here in our own neighborhoods. So would you at least stop by? Would you at least check it out? Would you consider being Jesus' hands and feet, making a difference that I promise you is true religion? It's true religion. It's like taking the talk, doing the walk. Because, you know, one of the things I feel increasingly that, that Whitdale's being called to by God as we kind of, as we're actually we're wrapping up this vision that we've had. I mean, we've laid the clear spiritual pathway Reaching 700,000, we're ahead of schedule, we're at about 380,000 right now. It's like, okay, God, what's next? And the word hope keeps coming to my mind. I just think God wants us to bring hope to our communities, hope into people's lives. And so I hope you'll check that out and see what God might have for you. Amen to that? Amen. I don't know about you, 
It always feels good when you make a difference. And right here's an opportunity. It's right in front of you. So let's all stand and you get out there and check these opportunities out. And by the way, as you're standing, I want to acknowledge that there are many of you here who are foster parents and uh, adoptive parents. And I thank God for you. And you're going to be hearing about how we want to come alongside you this year to support and encourage you as well. Lord, as we go from this place, may we go in your grace. May you use us, Lord, to be a big brother, big sister, uh, to to adopt through compassion a child in Haiti or some other part of the world. God, to join hands with Hennepin County or, or uh, New Life Services, Safe Family, one of these agencies, Lord, to do some, or at least explore foster care, perhaps even adoption. God, you deal with our hearts. Help us respond to you in faith. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you, have a wonderful weekend.